Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. So we are back. We're actually, this is going to be a bit of an abridged episode because between work and travel and illness and school starting school starting and all this other stuff, we have not had a lot of time to brainstorm a topic. Fortunately, we have had a lot of time to play a lot of new games recently. So we have a few impressions, including uh, some newer games uh, that are... Uh, that we're going to be talking about this week. Um, real quick, though, before we get into all that, just a reminder, if you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, it's Search Tabletop for Two. You can track us down there. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or any other podcaster that you would use. We have a BGG Guild, number 2623, and we are always soliciting episode topics. So if you guys have a two-player topic you'd like us to talk about, we would be more than happy to hear about it and definitely entertain that. Um, let's start off with Fate of the Elder Gods. This is the new game from Greater Than Games, um, under the Fable Nexus line that they have. This is uh, a collaborative effort from Richard Launius, uh, Chris Kirkman, and Daryl Lauder. Um, it's a, it's a Cthulhu themed, as the title would suggest, um, area control game of sorts. And it was a little bit lighter than I thought it would be upon like the, like upon checking it out initially when we backed out on Kickstarter because mm-hmm. it looked to be a little bit heavier than I thought um at the the crux of the game is you're each controlling one of the elder gods and in a twist for these games you're actually playing as the devoted cultists the the faction trying to summon that elder god to bring about the destruction of the world so you are trying to each elder god has a summon track that has nine spaces on it uh you're trying to raise your summon track from zero to nine if you are the first player to raise your summon track to nine um you win the game because you summon that elder god conversely uh your opponents can also throw elder signs at you to try and impede your progress and if your track gets filled with elder signs then that also will lose you the game uh, if you're not careful. Um, the way it works is you have several cultists, uh, little cultist miniatures, and on your turn, you're going to place them in one of, I think it's six different locations that are scattered around the board. And each location has a special ability that you do when you get there. Um, it could be moving cultists around. It could be summoning new cultists, cultists to the board. Um, there's a library where you can get these artifacts that give you special abilities that you can use. Ultimately, you're trying to get your cultists sacrificed uh, to your god of choice because For the that greater will, good. Well, because that'll get that. That's what moves the summoning track along. So that's what you're trying to do at the end of the day. Um, but every time, and and whenever you select an area to place an action, you put a cultist in there. If you have the most cultists in there, if you control the location, um, you also get to do a bonus action as well, or a more powerful version of the action that you're trying to do. But the catch is you also have to put an investigator uh, token in there. And if you go into a location that already has three investigators in it, those investigators will come into your your lodge for your for your elder god and on a subsequent turn they might raid your lodge which will then possibly lead to cultists being killed and and captured and stuff like that which kind of impedes your progress there as well um each elder god also has a unique special ability uh that you can activate at one of the locations on the board and basically like i said you're going around you're doing this the the way that you actually go to the locations is also kind of clever because you have a hand of spell cards and the spell cards 
also have a symbol, one of five different symbols on the back of them. And what you do is you take the location that you visited last and you put a spell card behind it face down in in the row that kind of leads out from that location. And that determines the location that you go to next because you go to the location that matches the symbol of the card you just laid down. The reason that's a big deal is because you can also summon like you can like ready spells that you can cast on future turns and the way you pay the cost of, for the spells is you look at the not only the spells that you've readied in front of you and the symbols on the back of those but also the symbols that are at the location that you're currently visiting so locations that get visited more frequently uh, it'll be easier to summon certain spells so that might also dictate how you See, get that's there that's what had me at first like i was having trouble getting to that point because i think every um Every spell in my hand mm-hmm. had like three, and of course, right at first there was maybe one, maybe two, you know, at each location, and it just kind of took me a while to get going. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we we had a lot of fun with this one, um, even though it was like I said a bit lighter than we were expecting it to be. Um, yeah, we actually played this one while the kiddo was awake. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Uh, he was he was doing his thing while we played this, and we were able to get it uh, get it played pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I do like that. He didn't even try to steal the miniatures this time. He was looking at them though. He's eyeing them up. He eyed them up, but he didn't steal anything this time. Um, this is what I like because there is lots of different actions, and you do kind of have to chain the strategies together. Um, kind of using your elder god's power and the artifact tokens that you get, and the different location powers um, chained well in order to. Well, didn't you say you used one you shouldn't have used? I did. Um, I had Azathoth, who I found upon reading on BGG after the fact that probably don't use him in your first game because his ability, if you don't know how to play on it, can be kind of overpowered, um, which I definitely made great use of because I won pretty handily when we played that part, that first game. Cheater. I. What can I say? I, I used it effectively. I can't call you what I usually call you because we're trying to keep it PG. Yeah, we are keeping it PG. <laughs> um, but there, and and the other cool thing is there's a lot to explore, even in just the base box, because the base box comes with a ton of spell cards, ton of artifacts. Um, it comes with I think eight or nine different elder gods, so it's very different experience every time you play, as far as which god you have. And then we also got the, I think it's called Beasts from Beyond expansion for the game as well, which adds more elder gods and miniatures and stuff like that to it. Um, what were your thoughts on the game as a whole? Um, well, like we've said, you know, it was a lot lighter than I expected it to be, but it was fun. Like I said, I like playing the flip side of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like, I'm used to fighting against the gods, trying to get them to stay asleep, and here I'm trying to make mine wake up. Yep. And and like I said, I like, I like the passive threat that the investigators represent, because you can sort of kind of bend them to your will to mm-hmm. make them raid your opponents. There's certain ways that you can have them go attack the other yeah. character, the other guy. So like I said, Fate of the Elder God's pretty good. Um it, we like I said we enjoyed it. It's something that we're gonna keep around. Um it's something you can I think we beat in or played in what, forty five minutes or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, it didn't it take is, it, it didn't, didn't take, take too, too terribly long no. to play. Um so this is one that we could squeeze in pretty pretty handily, I think. So again, mm-hmm. Fate of the Elder Gods, uh, if you're a Cthulhu fan, check it out. Uh, it might be right up your alley. Next on our list is King Domino. I knew absolutely jack and squat about this game. Brad just bought it and we played. Well, I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know much about it until a few months ago because it won this year's uh, Spiel des Jahres award. Uh, and it's Bruno Cathala. 
and it's Blue Orange Games. So you know you're going to get a well-designed game that has really good production value because that's what Blue Orange kind of does. Yeah. And uh, so we picked it up on a whim. This is a small box game. He says we. He means him. Well, I mean, I needed to get to that free shipping <laughs> threshold on cool stuff. So <laughs> I apologize for nothing. Oh, um, I love you, honey. This is a pretty simple, though, um, tile-laying, tile-drafting game as well. Um, the way it works is you're each, you each are given a castle, and the goal is to build a 5 by 5 square uh, made up of these different terrain tiles. And the terrain tiles are dominoes, as you would expect, but instead of having pips on them, they have you know different types of terrain on each side of the domino. Uh, there's a line of four dominoes laid out in the two-player game. You each have two... Uh, bidding meeples that you use. Um, those meeples are drawn randomly, and as your meeple is drawn out, you place it on one of the domino tiles that you plan on purchasing. And then once you've all picked your dominoes, another row of dominoes gets laid out so that you are going... The tiles also have numbers on the back, and you arrange them from lowest number to highest number, and the tiles get incrementally better as the number gets a little bit higher. So as you choose your tile, you go down the line in term, in order of who who picked what, basically. And as you lay your tile in your kingdom... You pick your new tile. You pick your new tile from the new row. So obviously, if you have a worse tile early on, earlier in the round, you'll get first dibs to possibly get a better tile later in the next round, potentially. Um, what you're trying to do, though, is you're trying to lay... Similar types of terrain next to one another that have crowns on. Them. Well, and you're trying to find terrain that has cr- that have crowns printed on the tile as well. Because at the end of the game, you're going to look at every block of terrain, every contiguous line of the same terrain that you have, and you're going to multiply the number of squares that are in that contiguous line by the number of crowns that are in that region as well. And you add up all the score of all of your regions, and that's going to be your final score. For the game, kind of reminded me of the Rose King in some ways, in terms of how you're trying bit, yeah. to do that. Um, this is a super, super fast game. Um, I think we played it in 15, 20 minutes. Simple, easy, um, very light for our tastes. Mm-hmm. I don't see it getting played a ton. It's still a handy game to keep around to teach maybe new gamers how to play. Kids could easily play this. It's a good game. I I see why it, it like this. This game is absolute. Like you know how sometimes movies come out that are award movies that are made specifically to contend for like Academy Awards. Basically, right. This is a Spiel des Jahres game. Like <laughs> this is this is the prototypical Spiel des Jahres nominee. Basically, so I'm not at all surprised that it won. Um, but yeah, a little, little light for, for my liking personally. Well, like you said, we'll play it. I bet you our friends would have fun with it. Like I said, it wasn't bad. It's was just simple, like really simple. But sometimes simple's good. Sometimes that's all my brain can handle. Again, I, I, again, I didn't dislike it. It's just not one that I will reach for too terribly frequently. Personally, there's a new one coming out called Queen Domino. I have no idea. How it's different. So. Okay. Don't know. If, if it's similar to King Domino, I think we'll be okay just with yeah. just with King Domino. So if you guys are looking for a lighter game. So they're just going to keep going Jack Domino, Ace Domino, stuff like or that. Or Prince Domino. Hmm? Princess Domino. Um, yeah. So like I said, if you guys are looking for some lighter fare, uh, maybe like family style game, I would definitely recommend King Domino. Two players. Not as much because again, there's not as much competition for right, the I different tiles. Right, I think it'd be tiles. better with at least three. Yeah, I think I think having the competition for the different tiles would be 
would be good for that game. Yeah. Um. Next was actually I I could have sworn that we played this already, but we did not, and it was Rococo the Jewelry Box expansion. Yes, yeah, so this uh this is the hard to find expansion for Rococo. I don't know if they ever released it in the U.S. because I'm pretty sure that the copy that I had was a German import, but it had English rules. In the box. Where did we get ours from? I don't even remember, to be quite honest with you. We've had, we've had it. I'm thinking, did we get it in a trade? Did we do? Did we find it on a website somewhere? Honestly, I think it wasn't a trade, actually, come to think of it. Um, but it's, it's something we've had for a couple months, but we never were able to get to the table. It was I, sealed when we got it, too. I remember that. Yeah. Well, the last time that we played Rococo, we played with four players, so I didn't want to bust an expansion out for... New guys to check out. But we finally got around to it. Um, We've talked about Rococo on this podcast before. This is, of course, the worker placements, dressmaking, dress placing game. This one is a hidden gem for us because we didn't really think. We're like, "Uh, okay. And then we played it and we were hooked. Well, I heard that it was amazing. So I was on the hunt for it. And it lives up to the billing. It's a terrific (laughs) worker placement game, hand management game. Very Mm -hmm. neat. Um, what Jewelry Box adds is a few things, actually. Uh, first and foremost, as the name would suggest, uh, you are able to craft jewelry now. Uh, when you make dresses that you put on display, um, you can make a ring as no, well. You or you purchase a ring. a ring to go. You're right. To purchase a ring to go with to the go dress. with or a necklace. Right. Yeah, it's, it's correct. It's a ring. Yeah, ring for the dudes, necklace for the ladies, right. and. Uh, the benefit of this is that the the piece of jewelry that you buy will get you a dollar every single round when you collect income at the end of the round, and it will also be worth a victory point at the end of the game. And if you manage to match the color of the jewelry with the color of the dress or suit that you bought, uh, then you can also get some fabric as well uh, for free when you purchase it. That was actually probably our least favorite part right. of the expansion, I would say. Um it also adds a what did it add? It was um it's a level zero like journeyman card that you can that you it it, it has upgradable cards. Right. So you start you start with one of um five of these level zero journeymans that you have to actually bring into your deck mm-hmm. throughout the game. And then once you so and that and he's kind of a Powerful guy because he, um, if I recall correctly, gets you like three victory points every time you play him, and so he. But he's a tough. He, it's tough to get that get that card into your deck. I can't remember exactly how to do it because I did not do it throughout the course of the game. It was oh crap. Here I'll look it up. Keep talking. That's fine. So that's one thing. Um, you also have, as M alluded to, upgradable cards. So when the game starts, you can take one of your journeymen. And as you perform specific tasks throughout the game, you can train them to become an apprentice. Or actually, it's the other way around. The apprentice are the low ones. Journeyman is the next one up. So you can train an apprentice to become a journeyman. And when you do that, you actually pick from nine journeymen that are set aside But when the game starts. And you can pick one of the ones you want thrown into your deck. And then later on, you can train up one of your journeymen to become a master. And you do the same thing. You take a deck of master cards that are set aside. Holy crap, just so you know, the uh, cheapest I see it for is like 40 bucks right now. Yeah. So And so, so take one of these set-aside master cards and add that to your deck as well. And those are pretty much all it adds to the mix that I can think of for the most part. Um, it's, like I said, very small expansions. To the game, but they do add some interesting 
like replayability points where you know different strategies emerge. Um, money becomes a little bit more important in this version of the game, especially if you plan on going the jewelry route. So you have to kind of weigh that. And jewelry, if you can get it early in the game, um, can be super beneficial. Because if it if it's paying out points costs or paying out money throughout the game, then it can definitely give you a leg up as the game goes on. So I really like this expansion, even though the main feature of it I could take or leave, basically. Right, yeah. I didn't really I mean, I bought a couple pieces of jewelry, but I was more interested in the extra employees, basically, mm-hmm. that you can get. Well yeah, the upgradable cards was neat just because um being able to kind of fish through that deck and find a specific journeyman or a specific master that fit the strategy that you were going for um, was a nice touch, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. Very good. I really, really liked it. I don't know if it's worth paying $40 for it. Oh, no, 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 Because no, no. I think it's supposed to be like 20 maybe, but... Yeah, it's. I, I don't know if it's a $40 expansion. If you can find a decent price on it and you like Rococo, um, it's definitely worth picking up. Um, just reasonably priced. That's all. Like I said, that's an insane price if it's going for forty bucks right now on there. Free shipping, no tax, but thirty nine ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's worth all that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, if you can find a decent deal on it or get it in a trade, uh, I would be worth adding to your Rococo game for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm on a different page than my docket. Go ahead. Well, Codenames <laughs> Duets uh, is one of another brand new game that we've got recently. And we were super excited about this. We talked about it in our back half 2017 preview. We talked about it briefly during our Gen Con episode. Finally got it in our hands. Um, and it is, well, I mean, I guess it has to be difficult if it's a two-player game that you're playing cooperatively. It's real difficult, though. Well, it's tricky because, so so you might be saying, if you're, if you're familiar with Codenames, well, if you're not familiar with Codenames, Codenames is the word-guessing game where normally you have to play in teams um and you're trying one person's giving clues the other person's trying to figure out what what nine of 25 words laid out on the table are your team's words you're trying not to guess your opponent's words and really trying not to guess the single assassin card Mm -hmm. that's an instant game over if you find that out in the field well codenames duet takes that formula and makes it into a cooperative game with some Some really smart tweaks. Um, You still have a field of 25 cards. But you have to cover 15? 15 collectively between the two of you. And you're saying, well, how does this work if you have one grid? Well, that's the thing is you each each of the key cards that have the grids are interesting because when you have one, they're double sided. However, one player is going to. So each player is going to see nine green words, the words that your team's trying to guess. A bunch of blank words, which are the imposters, yeah, bystanders, and then there's three assassins that you're trying to avoid. However, the trick is the other player sees the same number of things. However, of the green success words, only three of them overlap the two cards. Um, six of them are only found on one side of the card or the other. And to make matters trickier, of the three assassins, only one of them is a, is an assassin on both cards. The other one, one of them is a bystander on the other card, and the other one is one of the correct guesses on the other card. So as you are going through this game, you might see, you know, if, if you're if you're guessing and the other player is giving a clue, you might want to guess a word that's an assassin on your side of the card, but it might 
legitimately be one of the words that you need to figure out. So right. you have to really be careful about that as you're going through the game, um, which adds a nice layer of suspense to it. Um, to make things also that much more difficult, you only have nine turns to find all 15 words. Um, every time you guess incorrectly, that, of course, ends one of your turns, assuming you don't hit the assassin, which instantly ends the game. And they do have, like, a sudden death feature that if you don't, if you run out of time, then you can just keep making guesses until you hit a wrong answer, in which case you lose the game. Or if you happen to get everything, you know, remembering past clues that you were given throughout the game, then you can succeed in that regard as well. Uh, the game also adds a mission structure to the game. So there actually is like a sequence of missions that you can do that make the game progressively harder. Well, that'll be fun. Well, we need to beat it first on regular difficulty before we get to that. First game, I think we got like six words and then I missed one that I didn't see for him and he pulled out the assassin word and I'm like, Damn it. <laughs> second game, we almost won, though. I think second game, we needed, what, two more? Yeah, before but we ran we out of won, time. But we ran out of time, and I, and I guessed wrong on the first uh, the first guess. It's tricky, though, because, like I said, it's it's one thing in regular code names when you only have one assassin word that you're trying to avoid, like the plague. This one's really difficult because you have three words when you're giving the clues that you absolutely do not want them to get. And, you know, we're talking three out of 25. That is, what, like one-eighth of the words mm-hmm. on the table, basically, that you're trying to Well, and avoid. God, the last game we played, so my side of the card, th- the words that I had to link together, I mean, it was almost impossible. I'm like, how? Because, uh, again, avoiding those three assassin words mm-hmm. and trying to link those, because I'm like, okay, oh, I could do this. And then I'm looking, I'm like, oh, nope, I can't do that. I'm like, who's going to say one of those words and kill us? Well, and the, and the thing, too, <laughs> with, with Duet is even more than regular code names. Like, in regular code names, you got to link words because you're racing the other team. In, in Duet, it's even more imperative because you have to guess 15 words, but you only have nine turns in which to do it. So, obviously, if you can do math, it means you have to average more than one answer per turn. Yeah. You can't just dilly-dally. And nothing's worse is when you give a good clue that's like, you know, this clue, and there's three words that have it, and they guess wrong on the first try, because then that's a whole turn wasted. I mean, later on... That was me. Yeah, later on, you can, uh, you can of course, keep guessing words and in draw back to past me, clues. how did you not see the one that I said? That's fair, because I wasn't looking at the whole... At the whole table. Um, That's what takes me so long sometimes. Like, I know you look at me like, Jesus, what's taking her so long to come up with something? Because I'm going over in my head every possible thing that you might think to make sure I'm avoiding those bad words. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we've been together a long time. I know you pretty well. I know things I can say to you to elicit the answers, but I'm also trying to think, okay, what if he sees that? What if he sees that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It does. It makes it exponentially more difficult. Um, I like this a lot. I like regular codenames as it is. But I like codenames as a party game. Right. Codenames has a, the original codenames had a cooperative variant, quote unquote, which wasn't very fun. Seeing a fully fleshed out game. Um, is is nice. Also, the other benefit to this is it gives you 200 more cards that you can also just combine with your regular codenames cards. Which, which I is think what we, we just did. put all of ours in the same We box. did. And now, and now we have 400 codenames cards, and that's that's pretty much infinite replayability. Oh, absolutely. As far as that goes. Especially so, since our friends love it. Yeah, codenames duet. Um, if you like the original codenames, 
Definitely pick it up if you if you have a chance to play two players a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you never heard of Code Names and you think you might like this word guessing game, again, it's really fun, uh, really unique spin on these kind of deduction games, and it's it's a good time. I would definitely recommend. It's only like what twenty bucks, so definitely go pick it up. Yeah. Okay, last on the list. Um, you Certainly actually, not least. This one actually just came up. What a week ago you asked me about this. Well, because it just came out recently. Um, if I recall, it was a Kickstarter game. We did not back it. All I know is I get a text at work saying, what do you think about a Mad Max-themed Merchants and Marauders game? Yeah, well, so, so to give <laughs> give a little bit of backstory, um, Merchants and Marauders is a game that Em and I enjoy quite a bit. We like that, We like it as a sandbox adventure game. As like a race to objectives game. I also game. like the fact that Brad can't beat me at it. Yes, also true. <laughs> the only downside to Merchants and Marauders is that it, even with two players, it usually takes a solid two and a half to three hours to play. Yeah. And it just doesn't get to the table that often because usually if we have that amount of time to play a single game, that's when we go to like Twilight Struggle, Through the Ages, you know, stuff like that, stuff that we love to play that are in like our top 10, top 20 games, but that don't get played often because of the time commitment that's involved with them. Mm-hmm. So I saw this new game, uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. It's designed by, it's a collaborative design of John Gilmore um, of Dead of Winter fame and Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback of the of Fleet fame, basically. One of our faves. Wait, I might be. Wait, am I wrong? I, I don't know. I can't remember, but I hate uh, I hate not giving proper designer credit. So I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna vamp for time real quick. We're well, not cutting any of this. So, <laughs> in any case, this game is fantastic. Um, it scratches the same itch for us as Merchants and Marauders, but I think we played it in one hour and a half. Yes. Something like that. Um, I was right, by the way. Matt Riddle. Which, is, which is much more manageable for us. We can definitely fit in under two hours. You know, anything we can get under two hours is fantastic. Well, I saw this game advertised as basically a streamlined version of, like, Merchants and Marauders. And it also kind of um, scratches the same itch that Merchant Venus scratches in a lot of ways. Um, so, like Em said, it is a sandbox adventure game. I also like the setting. Um, I'm not a big Mad Max fan, but I am a big Borderlands fan, and the setting is definitely evocative of the setting in Borderlands, for sure. Um, that, like, post-apocalyptic wasteland. I love the names. The names of the characters are just cracking me up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the way it works is each player is working for the Wasteland Express delivery service, and you are trying to take on contracts that help raise the prestige of the company. And you're racing to be the first to complete three unique objectives. Um, There are three public objectives that are available for anyone to complete. And then through the game, you might acquire other objectives that relate to the three different factions that are in the game. And it's got also a pretty interesting action selection system because each round, each player is going to have five actions. You're going to alternate taking turns performing these actions. But the actions are pretty... Simple. Like, like I was impressed by how rules straightforward this game was with not, with not a lot of filler. Um, movement is your main action as you move around this modular terrain board that you have. Um, and then movement can spin off into combat as you try to pillage the raiders that are out 
in this wasteland. It can spin off to picking, purchasing goods at supply outlets. It can spin off to delivering goods that you have on your truck. Um, for money. Or using the outpost action. Right. Each each of the buildings that you can go to also has a special action that's associated, uh, sorry, I can't speak today, that's associated okay. with it. And you can actually take that action in the same turn directly after moving. But the game also has a momentum system where if you take movement actions on consecutive turns, you'll actually get to move more spaces with each subsequent move action. So if you're trying to get all the way across the board, it might be beneficial to actually stack those move actions up before doing doing the different actions. Because you get three, and then it goes up to five. Right, correct. And then Brad's character he had gave him, like, on that first three, it gave him a four instead. Well, so each, each character, there's six different characters in the game. They all have unique special abilities as well. Um, I was the fallen. You can't, um, you can't attack each other. Cool. Which is uh, which is actually kind of welcome in this game. Mm-hmm. I think it could get bogged down if you could beat up on the other players. Mm-hmm. And the way combat works is super easy. Like the, the one thing that I hated, hated about Merchants and Marauders is the combat system when you're doing the ship battles and then eventually like you can board one of the ships and do mm-hmm. hand-to-hand combat was so long and so convoluted and required you to have your face in like a like a cheat sheet as you're going through rolling dice and doing all this stuff. In this game, it's so easy. You when you when you attack one of the we raider trucks, you don't even trucks, need a cheat sheet for this one. Not at all. When you when you attack one of the raider trucks, you 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 draw a card to see how strong the raider you're attacking is. You roll two dice plus possibly more dice if you have mods on your truck that give you extra dice. Roll the However dice. However many gunshots are on the dice, is right? That's many rolled? hits. If you meet the number that's on the raider card or exceed it. You defeat the raider, you get whatever plunders in the back of their truck, and then the truck gets refilled with new plunder that's indicated on the raider card. Super simple, super easy. I can't I can't say enough how appreciative I am. And and you might be saying, oh, if you can't attack the other players, it's kind of multiplayer solitaire. Yes and no. It, you are doing kind of your own thing a lot, but... There are also spaces on the board which if you end your movement in that space, it has one of the symbols of the three factions, and you get to move their trucks around the board, so that's how you can screw with your opponent. Right, you can you can send their trucks, if, if they're next to one of the faction trucks, you can actually land on that faction space and ambush the other player and make them fend off yep. an attack. Um, another great thing about this game, attacking is a hindrance, but it's not. it doesn't wreck you, because as you get attacked in the game, the attack um, tokens that you get, the damage tokens that you take, actually take up the modification slots on your truck. So it makes some of your mods unusable. But then all you have to do is get to the center space um, and pay some money to, to completely heal those. So like I said, I like that it slows you down but doesn't disable you. Again, I, I liked and didn't like about Merchants and Marauders the fact that when your ship gets destroyed and your captain dies, you'll get a new captain, but you, you're kind of starting from... Square one mm-hmm. right away, and that's that really sucked if you had a ship that had a lot of really good mods or some really valuable cargo on it as you were. Well, you were always one to take way too long to get back to your home port and deposit your right, loot. Right, right. Um, I was a bit smarter about it. Um, I like the different factions that they have. The faction quests are all kind of similar. They basically usually have you running errands, delivering specific supplies to specific locations, and getting you money. Um, there's also allies that you can hire that will get you special abilities that you can use. 
Um, there's tons of different car mods that you can buy, whether it's doing extra damage, getting more money when you sell. Sleeper cab for extra allies. More allies, armor for your truck so it can absorb some damage for you. Um, there are some unique things that you can buy that are exclusive to specific missions that get drawn throughout the game, like nuclear bombs and things of that nature. And there's the temporary ones, too. Um, I do like the, yes, they, they have temporary modifications that give you very powerful abilities, but they're one and done when you when you buy them. Um, I also, I lost, oh, I, I also like how the terrain tiles are sort of risk-reward because there's some, the, the terrain tiles usually have anywhere from four to eight spaces on them that you have to move around as you easily navigate the board. However, there's several tiles that only have one big space, like the whole tile is one space. But, but those are Yeah, those are radioactive areas, <laughs> so you have to roll a... A, a radiation check as you go through them, and if you fail the check, you'll actually take damage as well. So you can take shortcuts, but at the risk of right. you know, possibly hindering Which yourself. Which several times during the game, I'm like, okay, but I need to get there this turn. Screw it. I'll just, you know. Right. Well, that risk-reward is there for a reason. Yeah, but it always was a risk for me. It was never a reward. That's also, well, yeah, because of, well, the radiation die stands a very high chance of... Uh, it's like every time I rolled it, nope, nope, you gotta cover space. Yeah. So, like I said, really smartly designed game. Um, I was I didn't know what to expect. I was dubious that it really would capture the feeling of a Merchants and Marauders, but do it in, in like half the time with half the complications, and it really does. Um, the only thing that might turn people off, if you're not a big fan of the post-apocalyptic theme, this game is oozing in it, um, so you might not like that, but if you... Enjoy that style sandbox game. If you like games that kind of give you a lot of free range to do your thing, even though you do have those objectives that you are progressively working toward, this is definitely one that I would recommend checking out. And it was a close game, too. Like, it's hard for a runaway victor. I think on the turn that I won, M would have won either one or two turns later if, yep. if I hadn't done it at that point. So we liked it a lot. Um, I also have to speak highly, as we do, when it's especially notable, the production value um, the game comes with several game, tra- like specifically designed game trays, trays that were made for the game um, that really make setup and takedown terrific. I couldn't imagine with all the tokens and stuff that are in this game how long it would take. Can you to set imagine it up. if we had bags and everything in bags? That's what I'm saying. Like if, if everything was in bags, I could not fathom how long it would take to set up this game. I'm glad that they have those trays in there. So it's it's very very good. Um, Wasteland He's Express been delivery doing a service lot lately. Well, it makes. I think it makes sense for him to like start contracting out instead of instead of doing as much, you know, consumer sales. That makes well, a lot of sense. Well, no, I mean, but you still do that. But I mean, that's awesome. Like, I love mm-hmm. it because I mean, we've have several of his products, and you know, we love them. It makes things so much, way much easier. Absolutely. Mm, um, but it. yeah, now I will say though, because this is so successful, I'm now worried we still haven't got a chance to play. Zaya yet and I'm worried now that because this worked so well that Zaya is going to feel a bit like a slog because Zaya is that more merchant style where it's a little bit broader and you have more to do it is a little bit more streamlined than merchants is um, but we'll have to see I of course like the theme of Zaya a little bit more spacefaring as opposed to uh, the wasteland thing but we'll have to see how it goes like I said I'm not so much Theme is not so much a thing for me anymore. It's just, you know, do I like how the game plays? Mm-hmm. I can deal with, you know, whatever theme you throw at me. 
So yeah, so this week yeah, relent- relentlessly positive week, but uh, like I said, we happen to just find five good ones this Has week. Has there for been sure. anything on Kickstarter lately? Um, you haven't been sending me any links. No, the the one the one uh, note that I'll drop you guys. There's a game coming out from shoot, I can't remember who the publisher is. It's called Horizons. It looks like a lighter, shorter 4X style game um, that plays from two to four players, if I'm not mistaken. As we're talking, I'm pulling up on Kickstarter. This is a little this is an unplanned bonus segment as far as the Kickstarter Kickstarter style. Um, yeah, it's, it's sorry. It's from Daily Magic, so the same folks that did uh, Valeria, the Valeria series and Swinging Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge. Quests, right, we do. Um, yeah, Horizons looks like it says it describes itself on the Kickstarter page as a Euro-friendly, decision-driven 4X style game, two to five players, about an hour long. Um, our friends over at the League of Nonsensical Gamers have a early copy of it. Um, they've been speaking highly of it. That's what turned me on to it. So check it out on Kickstarter. It's the only project that I have saved right now um so if you're looking for a kickstarter recommendation from us that would be the one to go see but we haven't even decided to back it yet so we'll see how that goes he hasn't even talked to me about it yet i have not as of as of us recording this has got about two and a half weeks left to go so check it out if you think you might be interested in that um like we said shorter show this week so hey we did pretty good still well i figured wasteland would take up a bit of a a bit of time oh, for sure. I do, and like I said, you were so worried that I wouldn't like it because you always worry that well, I'm never we were just like going things. in blind. So, and I love it. Well, I'm glad. That means we're probably going to play it again real soon. I would imagine. It. So again, thank you guys for listening. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us there. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, hopefully, now that we're through all the crazy summertime nonsense we should be back to our regular bi-weekly yeah until christmas or every other week schedule till christmas time right um but yeah so that's we'll leave you with that this week again thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next episode bye